You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Every quarter now, we'll have two or more wells uh, wells coming on. And what I always say is that every dollar we invest goes into drilling because infrastructure is there, the pipelines there, the facilities are there, they're in good state. So we drill the wells, we turn them over to our production partner, which is TPAO. And within a matter of a few days, uh, the sales, the gas is in the sales line and we're generating uh, revenue. There's no pipeline right away. And again, this is development, it's not expiration. And um, we were actually the, the first uh, company to be ready in Europe because Turkey actually is in Europe. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. We are touching base with Art Halloran. He is the CEO of Trillion Energy, a multi-year show sponsor. I've been invested in this company since January of 2001. And we talked about the potential of the SASB gas field in the Black Sea off the coast of Turkey. Well, that potential is now being realized as the company has already drilled two wells of a proposed 17 well program. But Art, you just put out a press release this morning, and it looks like you're expanding uh, the drilling for 2023, as well as the whole program, which will continue into 2024. Could you please provide an update? Yeah, it's great to be back to uh, give out this information. And, and you are correct. So what we've done is through the work that we've done by recompleting and also the other well that we drilled, we actually have found three for sure and potentially four what we call sidetracks where we re-enter old boreholes. And then we're going to be accessing gas that was not uh, produced from those boreholes. And so an example would be one well produced half a BCF and over three years, they perforated 46 meters of pay and basically got nothing. Whereas we know at Akachoka 3, uh, we perforated seven meters and it's still producing, you know, about 3 million cubic feet per day. And um, so these ones also have shorter uh, time periods. So it's 30 to 31 days instead of 45 to 48. And they're a lot cheaper. And they are actually accessing reserves because you can calculate the reserve in the pool that was supposed to be recovered by the old well, but they were were not. So we can now, um, I've always listened to the um, investors. They say, can we accelerate things? Can we get a second rig? Well, this is a way of, of also accelerating is getting the same reserve per well but only taking 30 to 31 days instead of 45 to 48 days. And also the thing I also have to stress, these wells are already tied in just like all the other wells. So the minute we drill and perforate these side tracks, we have um, production right away because it's already tied into the uh, pipeline and uh, facilities. So we've added these two, these three um, you know, side tracks um, in the same time period. So for 2023 now, we've been able to get 11, we've already got two for 2022. So we'll exit 2023 with 13, 13 wells um, done. And if I think you've talked about 3 million per month, two to 3 million per month, US production uh, cash flow per well. So what would we be looking at 12 months from now? So 12 months from now, the 2023, say for an example, would be uh, if we get the same price we are now, which is $27 US and MCF, we'd be upwards of 100 million US EBITDA. Okay, and that's 12 months from now. And then if it, the yep. whole program plays out at the end of 2024, if you bring all 20 wells online, uh, give us an estimation. 
yeah, because we're going to start getting some of the, the decline rates also would be in a, a in the range of about 140 million uh, US. And early in 2024, we just wanted to focus on reserves. But like I always said, we have these stratigraphic plays and we found um, a, a potential one that we can do do by using an existing borehole, borehole again a long ways. Uh, we'd like to test that towards the end of 2024. Uh, sorry, to, towards the end of 2023, beginning of 2024. Um, because when that one produces, we will have 13 more locations lined up. Okay. So SASB, as you've talked about on the show over the course of the last two years, there are some new listeners and new people new to the story. So we have to kind of go back and just repeat some of the things we've already talked about. But this is the cash flow engine is what you've described it as, SASB. It's the cash flow engine. But I have gotten some questions recently about the off block, off SASB block exploration some investors are wondering, can we move a little faster? Because TPAO has now said they've discovered up to a trillion dollars worth of natural gas, yep. just a little bit to our north, which means that there was a, a generation of all of that gas, which is nearby. How soon can we begin to test that in addition to the cash flow you're generating? I wanted to focus on SESB. I didn't want there to be a, a trip up, but everything is going going fine. Like I said, our, our first well, we were on budget, on target, on time. Um, Akachoka 3, we had a fishing job, which we managed to pull off quite uh, quite well. And the well we're doing right now, we're also on time, on budget, and on target. That There has been some conversation that we're having problems doing it, but, but we, are, we are not. I wanted to wait until I had about four wells producing. But I think once we have um, this next well on production, I am going to start um, pursuing the offshore, I mean, the off-block exploration and the reason is that there's starting to be too much gas found and people who are, knew nothing about the area are now looking at the area and it's time to start um, picking up some blocks. We're not starting from scratch because we already have the plays in files and folders and they're, they're sitting there because th this company has been there since you know 2000. But we're going to go back and reprocess some of the seismic and re retune some of it and pick out some some blocks. So. Yeah, we are going to start now. Before I always talk about it, we're actually going to start uh, doing it now. Art, I also had an email from a listener and they said, because of all this natural gas that is being discovered by TPAO, does that somehow negatively impact our investment value proposition if there's too much supply? Uh, what would be your response here? Well, there is never too much supply just because there's there's... There's such a big demand for the natural gas. So before this recent discovery, they, the Turkey mentioned that this would supply a certain percentage. I think it was like 35% of their gas for the next, you know, four or five or six years. Um, and so now they found some more gas. The fact of it is that also um, they also did a study that says as they find more gas, they will consume more gas and it's 15 to 20% growth because they will distribute it more and make more lines to uh, industry and also to residents. This is also ultra deep water and the operating costs and the production costs for that gas would be in upwards of like $3 an MCF. So right away you have um, um, a basement for the price there, but you're never gonna see the gas go below. Um, we used to be eight to $9 um, in, in the next 
foreseeable future, I don't see it going below in 10, $15. And that's like 2026, 2025, because it takes a while to bring this gas on. And it's just not enough to really lower the price of gas in the area. It's really good for Turkey, right? So you're drilling the third well in the program right now. If I could just jump back to that. Yeah. Uh, how is that going? Is that on schedule? Yeah. So like, like I mentioned, there were some some comments that we're having problems drilling as well. We are not having any problems. We are actually a day ahead of schedule. Uh, I'm not going to say too much because I'm going to wait for the, the weekly update. So it's all done together. But all I will say is that we're a day ahead of schedule. Um, we're on budget and we're also on track. So we're exactly where we're supposed to be. And if they remember, we drilled um, a thousand meters for West Akachoka, the surface casing. And then we drilled a thousand meters for Gulish this well, and now we're drilling to TD. So when we go back to West Akachoka, we're already starting at a, a thousand eight meters depth. So that well will also be in fairly quick. So we should be having this well perforated and on production end of January. Um, yeah, it should be the end of January for this well. And then early March for West Akachoka. As you know, Henry Hub natural gas pricing here in the United States has sold off. And if I look at the TCF chart, that's uh, Trillion's Canadian ticker relative to Henry Hub, you would almost think that we were receiving the Henry Hub price, but we aren't, are we? We're receiving the, the price you get in Turkey, which is linked to the oil price in US dollars. Just for listeners that don't know, could you explain how we get uh, our pricing and what is our current pricing? So our current pricing is $27 US a, an MCF. And it just came down for the last three months. It was $31. $31 was the highest price Turkey has ever had. So the, Turkey's market is more of a regulated type market. So it doesn't get the wild fluctuations. So it never went up to $65 or $45. And then when we started the project before the invasion, we were getting eight to nine. Europe was getting like $5, $6. And so we're in a kind of like a buffered zone. So how the price is set, it, it's part of Brent, the price of Brent oil, but there is an upward pressure due to demand. So an example would be if Europe is getting the same um, the gas from the same people and so on, driving the market up. So 95% of Turkey's gas is imported. They only produce about 5% of their own and 50% of the 95% comes from Russia. So at the same time, Turkey is trying to, um, you know, lower the amount of gas it gets from Russia. And so what they do is they have a government ent ent entity called BOTAS. And if you can look at the, the, the border of Turkey as say a sheet of plexiglass. So BOTAS not only um, sets a price for the gas that comes across the border, there's also a volume because they don't want wild fluctuations in, in, their, in their country. So what Botas does, it says we're going to buy this volume for, say, the month of January at this price. And it is distributed by Botas through all the, the buyers and so on and the, and the users. And they pay a, a pipeline fee. But Botas sets the price for that month. And they correct it every month. And right now, um, we, we, we're told we're getting a third party look, but we're told that pretty well for the next couple of months is going to stay in the order of uh, $27. And after that, we're not, you know, you don't know, but it's not going to go down below $20, $24, you know. And right now what they're saying is, this, yes, we might have gas for this winter, 
but we're looking for gas for next winter already right now. So the price is pretty well pretty well regulated, and it is a lot higher than than Canada and and United States. I mean, twenty seven dollars U.S. for an MCF. Uh, that's a lot. That's twenty seven million dollars of BCF. Our, our share price, uh, the TCF share price, has been consolidating between that forty and fifty cent range. Um, I'm sure some people are taking profits that were in earlier. But what are institutions saying, and how are institutions perceiving the TCF story? Yeah, I mean you're correct because um, people know that when they phone me or send me emails, I'll answer them. So I know I know of individuals that got in early, and um, they waited until this time of the year, and they they have now made a profit and they sold. And at the same time, though, we have been talking to uh, institutional investors, and they're the ones that are picking up. Uh, the paper now. So an example, when we have like a 13 million share day or a 7 million share day, and we don't, our share price doesn't go down very much. It's the institutional um, buyers that are picking it up. They have a lot longer, a lot longer view. Some of them are buying it because they are interested in the off-block expiration. And um, it's just the fact that it's how the company uh, evolves, right? It's kind of sad that people like you know, some of the retail people are gone, but I'm also happy because they they did make money and um, and uh, that makes them happy. Art, I had a question about uh, your share ownership. Uh, again, new people get hear the story and they want to find out more. I believe you have a, over 11, between 11 and 12 million shares. Yeah. And when somebody asked me about that, I said, well, if he wanted to, he could have 30 million shares with the way some of these characters put together companies. Uh, I could tell your story for you, but perhaps share with listeners your skin in the game and why you could have taken advantage of the company in those years in 2020, 2019, even early 2021. You could have taken advantage for self-serving purposes more than you did. Yeah, I mean, that's correct. So when I took over in 2017, just so people know, I have like 40 something years experience. I have a PhD in petroleum theology. I charged a nominal six-month um, U.S. salary for the first couple of years. I paid for invoices and so on, and I just rolled that that uh, wage. And they can go back and look in the financials; they'll see that. And then I I upped it to ten thousand U.S. Where somebody with my experience, um, you know, they could they could charge twenty twenty thousand, thirty thousand uh, U.S. a month. So I could have done that. I could have rolled that into shares at five cents, six cents. But I did not, right? I just rolled. I kept my wages down. At the same time, I have no founder shares. I have no one cent paper that were given to me. All my shares I earned by converting debt that I incurred because of the company or my wages and participating in um, some of the, the private placements. So an example would be I purchased my warrants already, and that was to put money into the company. So, you know, when you purchase private placement, you get shares, you get warrants. Um, I purchased those. So all my shares were earned by swept or by my own dollars. There was no really free rides. And you could have, just to reiterate, you could have paid yourself three times what you did pay yourself if you wanted to. That's correct. Yeah. I mean, I could have, I could be, instead of being at 12 million shares, I could be I could be at 36 million shares. And I could be more. I could say that to 
I've seen it before to, to sign up as CEO. I want um, 3.6 million shares, you know, given to me, that, that kind of stuff, right? But you do this because you love it. And as you told me, the SASB asset and the exploration potential, you want your payday to be with investors when you're successful for them. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean the, the fact is, is that um, sometimes when you're tempted, you don't make the right decision. So what I mean by that is if, if, if I really worked and I earned these shares and it wasn't easy, I want to make sure that the company turns out the best it possibly can because I have a vested interest for that to happen. And because if, if the shareholders do well, I will do well. If I had a huge share issuance, I mean, if I had like 36 million shares and the shares were trading at, you know, 50 cents, you know, it's, it's, you end up doing things you really don't, don't expect. Right. And I always feel that the shareholders, the uh, retail investors specifically, it is their sweat money. It is their hard earned money. And that's the same way I got my shares. So we're in the same boat. And Art, when I introduced TCF to a close friend two years ago, he listened to some of our interviews and he said, I think I would buy a used car from Art. So that's how you come across <laughs> and that's how you've operated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, last question. I had another uh, listener write in. They want to know about the Derrick license. This was an onshore uh, oil grassroots play. You and I had talked about it about two years ago. Uh, bring us up to speed. What's going on here? Yeah, so with with Derek, I always said it was the lottery, the lottery ticket, and um, we thought we had got we got a, a COVID extension for one year, and then we're going into the second the second year with the COVID extension because we could not do anything on that that um, parcel, and so around April two thousand twenty one or maybe after that, they they came back and they said there is no COVID extension, and then shortly after that, um, the Turkish Petroleum Company picked up those properties. So we actually we we lost those properties. They went back to the government, and then the government um, company picked them up. And the thing about Derek is that it is really grassroots exploration. I mean, it it has a big target there, but SESB has lower risk and um, the same kind of impact. There is a comment that people were saying that we were trying to hide the fact that um, Derek was sent back or picked back up by the government. In actuality, it wasn't. We did do some releases. It is in the financials, and, and it was mentioned that it was uh, it was gone. Okay. Just remind us as we conclude here, Catalyst, uh, the third well, that press release, and then maybe a couple Catalysts after that, what should investors look for? These, the two wells we're drilling right now, we'll get our next cash, cash um, around the 20th of January. Our interest will be in the order of um, over $3 million. Um, TPAO is keeping the choke back because they're waiting for the field to, uh, you know, equalize in pressure, production pressure. So the catalyst next will be in January, which is this Gulish well, which we already know it's there because we had a vertical well that discovered it. And then quickly after that will be West Akachoka one. So in this next quarter, we'll have two more wells on production, and then we'll move the rig down to the um, the tripods to the south. And every quarter now, we'll have two or more wells uh, wells coming on. And what I always say is that every dollar we invest goes into drilling because 
infrastructure is there, the pipeline's there, the facilities are there, they're in good state. So we drill the wells, we turn them over to our production partner, which is TPAO. And within a matter of a few days, uh, the sales, the gas is in the sales line and we're generating uh, revenue. There's no pipeline right aways. And again, this is development. It's not expiration. And um, we were actually the, the first uh, company to be ready in Europe because Turkey actually is in Europe. Half in Europe and half in Asia, right? <laughs> That's correct. You okay. got it. That's right. All right. Art, thanks for this update. I really appreciate it. I'm a happy shareholder. I want to see a successful over the next couple of years. To learn more, go to the company's website, trillionenergy.com. Thanks again, Art, for this update. Yeah, thanks for the chat. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts it might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10-for-1 returns as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.